Kelly Shudo, and I've been an actor for, well, a really long time. Here's my number. Call me. I've worked with some of the most famous people in Hollywood. Anything unusual occur? Define unusual. And taken on some roles I'd rather forget. Now my industry friends join me with their stories of faking it, making it, and taking it in Hollywood. And now, here's Nellie. Welcome to 50 Moments, Faking It, Making It, and Taking It in Hollywood as a Working Actor, which is the accompanying podcast to my book. And it's about all my stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly in Hollywood, uh, mostly hilarious. And, you know, basically at the end of the day, it's really about being an underdog because all of us in our lives are underdogs. And speaking of that, today's topic that I wanted to talk about was mentors because mentors are really important. I've been working on a movie in Arkansas called Mind Cage, and I started to realize that I was the one of the veterans on the set, which was sort of shocking to me. Uh, you know, not that it should be, just meaning that like I should realize my age, but it reminded me that I had two great mentors in my life. And we're gonna talk about that with my guest, who is G. Charles Wright, casting person extraordinaire. Uh, a lot of people know him for casting The Middle, which was one of the funniest shows on TV. And he's currently casting Diary of a Future President, now streaming on Disney Plus, and also teaches an audition class, which I've been a part of for years. So welcome, G. Charles. Ah, uh, thank you. It's really great to be here. It's good to see you, Nellie. You too. So, uh, you know, mentors are really important. And I mean, obviously, as a teacher, you are a mentor. Um, but tell me about who your first mentor was. And we can let's talk about those things in our lives. Yeah, my well, the the mentor that uh, that got me eventually got me into casting and kind of ch completely changed the trajectory of my life uh, was a woman who passed away in two thousand four named Cecily Adams. Mm -hmm. uh, Cecily, Ad so Cecily Adams is the daughter, uh, one of the daughters of Don Adams, who was uh, you know Get Smart and Tennessee Tuxedo and the voice of Inspector Gadget and all that stuff. A really great comedic actor. So uh, Cecily was a an actress and a casting director. And she and I had become friends in an improv class back in the early 1990s. And uh, then I discovered that at that time, uh, at, at, a little later, I discovered that she was also a casting director and not just a funny actress. And that she taught this audition technique class every week uh, to actors. So I started taking that class. And uh, after a couple of years, I was um, administrating the class for her. So I was in charge of keeping her wait list and signing people up when people would drop out and all that stuff. And um, we became pretty tight. Mm -hmm. uh, so some years go on. And in 1999, I quit my job. So during all of that time that Cecily and I had been friends and had been in classes together as students. And then I had been in her class as a student. I worked in the software uh, tech industry. And I Very had much the same as entertainment. Very much the same. <laughs> well, you know, it, uh, the first company I worked for was a video game company that thought of themselves as uh, like a movie studio. And they, they tried to, they tried to behave like one. Subsequently, they went out of business. Uh, but yeah, so it was, these were great, these were great jobs in the tech industry for someone who wasn't um, a performer mm -hmm. and an artist like me. 
Um, I also don't play video games. Yeah. So, so that wasn't helpful. What am I doing there? <laughs> right. So the last company, so in 1999, I was working for a company uh, that got bought by a giant corporation in South Africa. And that corp and, and that purchase triggered a stock, an employee stock plan that I was in. I'd only been at this company for about three years. So my, so the, so my stock plan option, you know, wasn't, wasn't huge, but it was enough money for me to stare at and think, this is my chance to start over. Mm -hmm. What do I want to do? And I thought I want to be, well, I had always done, I don't know if you know this about me, but I always used to write. I used mm -hmm. to write all the time. And it's kind of how I ended up getting into the software industry, as a matter of fact, was through my writing. That so I really don't, I want to be a TV writer. I'd like to try TV writing. So I went to my friend, Cecily Adams, who was casting a TV show called Third Rock from the Sun. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and she was doing the second season of That 70s Show. It was season five of Third Rock and season two of That 70s Show. Is that right? Yeah. And, uh, and I said, hey, can I intern in your casting office? Because uh, I'd like to maybe try to use that as a way to network myself into a writer's assistant job on a, on a sitcom. So she says, sure. And she had had at that time uh, a lot of actor students from her uh, audition class that we were doing would intern in her office. Maybe they come in one day or two days a week for two to three hours and help, you know, run, maybe run a casting session, something like that. Well, I didn't have a job now, right? So I had this mm -hmm. cushion of money to, to live off of. And I also came with all of this real world uh, experience from an office, which I don't know if you know this, Nellie, a lot of aspiring actors in this town don't have any sort of real world office experience because they're, their um, survival jobs are typically... Um, a restaurant. Oriented. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I show up and I know how to do the simplest of things like use the fax machine, <laughs> answer a telephone, take a message, things that they are just too intimidated to, you know, to try because they're afraid that if they say the wrong thing, then that's the end of their internship. But I, you know, I've been answering phones for years. Yes. So anyway, so uh, I start showing up every, every day because I, don't have any place else to be. And I really enjoyed it there. So I start showing up every day and I use that time to talk to some of the writer's assistants, find out what their job really entails. I get to peek in a little bit on writer's rooms and see how that's all going. And, uh, and I'm there in the casting office with Cecily. And I start to discover as the days roll on and we, I'm doing this for, I don't know, maybe five, five months before the season was up, that casting felt like the job that I had been training for my entire life and I didn't know it. It pulled on everything that I was good at. It pulled on my ability to judge performances as an, as an actor, um, especially from taking Cecily's audition technique class for so long. So I really had a, a solid, I had a solid understanding and a vocabulary. Well, for and what also, I, was I would imagine the fact that you were a writer, like if you think about it, knowing how to play it or judge a performance is also knowing the script. 
Exactly. Well, so right? I can read this. I can read the script. I know where the jokes are. Mm-hmm. I know. I know where the inflections should be. All that stuff. Um, it's a multi-camera. This is a multi-camera sitcom. So it's like theater, and it's very, you know, it's very. Uh, it's it's occasionally a setup punchline, but a lot of it is just punchline, punchline. Mm-hmm. As punchline set up punchline. So anyway, I got all that stuff down. And I'm also really good with uh, multitasking and handling the business on the phones and talking to the agents and managers, because all of that is stuff um, on, in a different, in a, uh, in a different uh, you know, environment I was doing in the tech industry. Well, so, okay, so you're real, you, you are very well-rounded, which I know, because I know you, and I've been in your class, et cetera, off and on for years. Um, so question, did you ever do anything really foolish while working for her? <laughs> oh, I did. Uh, well, I did a million things that were foolish. So I ended up telling her at some point during that, that season that, uh, um, during that season, I said, you know, I really love working for you. What I did is I just started showing up every day and I would stay all day. Yes, um, and, um, and, uh, and she and I became pretty, now she had an assistant. So I was an assistant, you know, to the assistant and, uh, at the end, and she was working for a big casting company that was at the time called Lieberman Patton casting. It was run by two veteran casting directors, Meg Lieberman and Cami Patton. Mm-hmm. And they cast almost every sitcom that was in town. And so she was a casting director who worked for those casting directors. So at the end of that season, this is an absolutely true story, Nellie. I had a dream one night that Cecily and I were standing at the copy machine, which was, which was way in the back of, of this suite of offices that we occupied, where when the copy machine is running, if you're talking to each other, it's no one can, else can hear you. And, uh, and in this dream, she said, I'm leaving and I want you to come work with me. And the very next day, Nellie, I swear to you, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not like a mumbo jumbo person at all. The very next day, this exactly, exact same thing happened. Wow. She tells me, I'm leaving Lieberman patent casting at the end of the season and I want you to come work with me. And so I said yes and gave up my, uh, my pursuit of becoming a writer's assistant on a show and just dived straight into casting. We went back. So then the season ended. Lieberman, Patton, Casting, and Cecily Adams basically had a, uh, you know, she, she quit and, the, and, and they had sort of a divorce settlement where Lieberman, Patton, Casting kept Third Rock from the Sun, which was coming back for a sixth, a truncated sixth season of only 13 episodes. And that 70s show was coming back for season three. We got that 70s show which then started, you know, spoiler alert, ran for eight seasons in total and was getting picked up two seasons at a time. So we, had, we got the better deal yeah. on that one. And, uh, and so, yeah, I did tons of stupid things because I, was, I had been pretty good at assisting the assistant, but then when it became my uh, turn to be the assistant, I, I actually did so much of the job, I had no idea what to do. <laughs> I was constantly calling. The, assist, the old assistant gave me a list like a handwritten list of, you know, how you, how you go through everything and what to check off and what to do. And then I would just call her on the phone constantly. And when I had questions and I kind of learned the job as I went along and I told at the time I was 33 years old and I told Cecily, I said, as, as someone who's 
a solid 10 years older than everybody else in these jobs when they start. I really want to fast track this. So don't worry about trying to throw too much on my plate. Give, tell me as much as you can. And she really just kept mentoring me. She saw, she liked my, she liked my passion for the job and she liked my ability to pick things up. And I made tons of, I made tons of mistakes because I was constantly trying to do too much and move too quickly. Yeah. So the mistakes I would often, the mistakes I would often make would be mistakes like uh, uh, forgetting what to type, uh, forgetting to type something on a deal memo or a contract uh, and having to go back. But I was always really good at getting the dollar amounts and the dates right, which were. That is very important. Those are very important. <laughs> very important thing. Money. Money, the very money important. Part, the mind never screwed <laughs> up the, the money. So that, so that was good. Uh, but yeah, so I just, uh, I would say probably the biggest, mist- God, what would be the biggest? I mean, I can tell you that there were some crazy, I feel like I was, I mean, I was 33 years old and I was, I felt like I finally had a shot at a career I was excited about. And I was so determined not to make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. I still made a ton of mistakes, but I can't remember anything that's like particularly funny that I did. Well, but no, uh, you, you sound kind of level-headed about it. Like I, I think about it, like my first mentor was Jack Lemon, and mm-hmm. uh, I met him through my first husband. I like saying that my first husband, I, I can't wait to say like my fifth husband, but like I met him through my first husband's family. And you know, I like, he didn't really mentor me like you're saying she did, but like I would go to his office and he taught me a lot of things, but I, I made the mistake of being too friendly and open because I was in my twenties and I saw him riding his, uh, driving his, um, Rolls Royce, his very old fashioned Rolls Royce down an alley behind his office in Beverly Hills one day. And I went screaming down the street after him. I was like, Jack, Jack! Like I ran after him and he looked at me like literally like with terror in his eyes. And I had the balls to go up to his window. I was like, Hey, and like lean in, how you doing? <laughs> like you never do. You never do. But I just didn't know any better. No, no. I didn't know any better. <laughs> For me, it was kind of the opposite in that, um, uh, so we worked, so we, you know, we were doing that 70s show, which is a multicam sitcom. And they would do, uh, you know, throughout the week, they rehearsed the episodes and they would do run throughs each mm-hmm. day for the writers and the studio and network people to come to and watch and watch the run through. And then on Friday night, this was a Monday through Friday show on Friday night, they would Monday, they'd be the table read by Friday night. They shoot the show in front of an audience. And um, in my, the way I looked at it coming in, was it was like working for a sports team mm-hmm. and it felt important to me to attend those run-throughs which you know only last you know you know 20 minutes they're not you know 20 minutes half hour you're over there on this on the sound stage watching this with everybody um and then it was also important to me to attend on um uh on shoot night because that was really the only time when we're shooting the episode where you really got to socialize where I got to socialize with the other people that I worked with on the show, because casting is such a um, insulary uh, department. 
We're yeah. the first, we're the, we're the first people working on any episode. So when I'm working on this, on an episode, the rest of the, the rest of the crew are working on a, a different episode. I'm already finished with that episode. I'm onto another one. So it was really the only time I got to see everybody and really chat. And I found it was also very helpful because the writers were all there and they would often see me and say, Oh, Hey, uh, just so you know, heads up coming up in another episode. And so it was, it was a great way to just get a lot of information and to be seen. And Cecily had not been brought up that way in, in casting. And for her, it was important to just not be seen. Hmm. And I kept trying to, but she didn't want to attend the, um, the table reads. She didn't want to go to the run throughs. She didn't want to go to the, the and I did. So that was a, that was a struggle with, with us as I tried to make her see that it was okay to go uh, do those things. And that it, because, and I gave her the sports team analogy and she taught me everything I needed to know about this job from how to handle actors, uh, how to handle the, uh, the writers, how to approach the studio and the network casting people and how to keep everything, everything fun and light and professional she was really great. She cracked tons of jokes. I mean, her dad was Don Adams and she was just as funny as him. She was hilarious in the office. We spent so much time just quoting Mel Brooks movies and uh, talking about old TV shows. And all I'd have to do is start talking about an old TV show. And then she would have some crazy story about one of the actors I was talking about because she had grown up with been the TV around show. and been around it. Well, right. So speaking of uh, comedy, your class to me is like, so working on this movie, Mind Cage, which was not a comedy, um, I remembered uh, as I was lying on the table about to be uh, tortured, I remember that you always said, here's what I've learned from you, always add like an extra layer, like think deeper than, oh, here's a funny line or here's a serious line, add some more depth to it. And I feel like you have such a great grip on comedy. Um, and, uh, I want to ask you about that and have you talk about your class. And I wanted to tell you on this movie, there were two young, young, uh, actress, one was a PA who told you every five seconds, she's really an actress. And one was an actress who was actually a stripper. And, um, they kept talking about, about how, and I'm, I'm like kind of overhearing the conversation, but they're sort of including me. And they were saying that they were too pretty to do comedy. And this is when I wanted to pull out my mentor, uh, boots. I don't know what to say and be like, and I kind of tried to say very kindly, like, well, you don't, don't limit yourself, but like, Oh my God, comedy is not about being, I don't know. Obviously you can be good looking and do comedy. So I just want to hear your take on your acting class and teaching people, young people comedy and how to find it in themselves. Well, I will say based on this, what you've told me is those, those people that told you they're too pretty to do comedy are obviously half right in that they can't do comedy. Okay. Because if if they're if they have so little irony that they could say I'm too pretty to do comedy <laughs> without without them laughing, then they're not funny. And obviously they don't have any idea uh what's funny. Yes. Um so uh yeah for me it's it's about and this is stuff I learned from Cecily who passed her audition technique classes on to me. Mm -hmm. Um so I'm teaching I'm teaching my own version of her class. I changed a few things up, but the important things are not to try to play the joke. Don't try to make it funny. Uh, 
look to see what your character wants in the scene and what's at stake for your character in the scene. And sometimes those things change depending on how long the scene is and what's going on in it. But really stay honed in on specifically what your character wants in that scene, not the greater, not the greater want that you might have overarching. But in that scene, what do you want? And what's at stake for you if you don't get it? And keep those stakes really high. Make those stakes really important to you. Because the more important that is to you, the funnier the scene is. It's also important to realize when you read through uh, audition sides to figure out from a technical standpoint where your character is at in the scene. Does your character, uh, does your character deliver the setup line? Mm-hmm. Or does your character deliver the punchline? Or does your character do neither of those things? Or is your character there to push, just push the plot forward? Yeah. And just to that off. will tell you a lot about how to approach the character as you're hanging all of your, uh, the ornaments on your uh, Christmas tree. Yes. Um, that your we Christmas call tree of comedy. The Christmas um, tree of comedy. Uh, that's what the the Jews call it. Yes, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, and, and so that kind of informs you like where to where to push, where to inflect, and that kind of stuff. How to you know what how to play it straight and how to play it funny, just based on your stakes. And are you pushing the plot forward, or are you part of the giant wants and stakes that are happening? Yes. Yeah. Sets the men's men from uh, sets the men apart from the boys, as my father used to say. Um, yeah, so that must have been very comforting for you. To it hear was, from it was being, being a woman. Being a woman. Um, so listen, I want you to tell everybody where they can find you, and I don't mean like at home. That I don't want them stalking you like I did with uh, Jack Lemon, but like, where they can find your class. Well, you know, I, I, I now, I'm now the afternoon greeter at Walmart <laughs> on San Fernando Road. <laughs> you can find uh, him near my tent on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, I am down at the I'm down at the senior center every day for the free hot lunch. You can find me there, and then I stay for bingo at three. Um, but you can find me. You can find me on the on the World Wide Web. As Ooh, a matter of fact, the interweb. Uh, yeah. It's yes, it's called the inter yeah, the interwebs at gcharleswright.com, which is my name, gcharleswright.com. Uh, and that has information on the classes mm-hmm. that we teach. Uh, working on, I've got a I've been teaching, so I've been I've been in casting now for 22 years, and I've been teaching for 18 of those eight close to 19 of those years. Uh, <clears throat> and you can find me at gcharleswright.com to learn more about our classes. I have a Long list, including you, of great alums. Well, and you've done a great job of adapting to COVID as well and doing stuff online. Every, so everything was in person, right? We mm-hmm. had classes, everybody met. And, um, and then if you needed to self-tape a scene, I would set up the camera and I could tape it in the class. But now, of course, everything's, yeah, yeah. everything's done on Zoom, mm-hmm. just, just like this is. Yes. We do the whole class on Zoom. We get to really now emphasize working on self-tapes. We record self-tapes. I record self-tapes for actors in the class so I can give you feedback and stuff like that on your audition as we're going. Uh, I can record it on Zoom and send it to you, or you can record it yourself while we are on Zoom, however you want to work it. But it's 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 been really great. When we started doing that in March of 2020, 
I thought it was a stopgap measure until everything went back to normal. And then a few months later, I began casting season two of my show, Diary of a Future President, that's on Disney+. Plus. And I don't know why I plug it. I don't get residuals. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I realized once I started casting that season that, oh, we're not, we're not going back. This isn't going back to in person. Yeah. This is the new, this, the future of auditions is now, and it is all self-tape and video conference callbacks. My prediction is that as the uh, technology gets better and better, we'll start to uh, see fewer and fewer self-tapes and more and more uh, video conference auditions. Which I kind of like, because it, it brings back in the human element. Like, I like Absolutely. that. I like getting direction from somebody in the room, you know, yeah. or in the virtual room, you know, as yeah. opposed to just taping it and saying, Oh, I don't like the way my hair looks. I don't, there's something about it that like you get, you get real input from somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really important. Well, that's one of the things that, uh, that I emphasize in class is the importance of being able to even shoot yourself tapes, uh, with me because I can at least give, I can at least give some, some feedback, although I'm not the person casting that show. I at least have a background in knowing what, those people, the casting people are looking, are looking for. Yeah. So that, that helps my students, but you're right. You most, you're not kind of acting in a vacuum is very, very stressful. Yeah, it is. I don't, I don't like it. So, no. so, so audience just hear that. And, um, this is a great resource for you. And, um, gee, Charles, I just want to thank you for being on the show. You're always hilarious. Oh yeah, thanks. And uh, and informative, and you've had such a great career and continue to have one. But thank you so much for being on. Oh, it was really great to be here. Congratulations yeah. on your book and your podcast, and uh, and uh, what was the movie called again? Oh, mind mind cage, mind cage. mind cage. Yeah. Whatever this, it sounds like snuff porn. But congratulations. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it is <a> porn. <laughs> <laughs> the producer's going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of 50 Moments, Faking It, Making It, and Taking It in Hollywood as a Working Actor. And I will see you next month. For information on my book, check out nelliesblog.com. And I'm on all social media platforms. Just search for Nellie Shudo. Ah, uh, perfect. Uh, it was fun doing Nellie's podcast today. We talked about mentors. That was the subject uh, of the podcast. So I talked about my casting mentor and she talked about uh, the time in her life when she was young, when her mentor, her acting mentor was a man named Jack Lemmon, which really took the wind out of the sails for my mentor story, by the way. I think her, the title of her podcast is called Faking It, but um, I'm thinking it should be just called One Up. Because all of her stories are far more interesting than anything uh, anybody else come up with.